You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this afternoon uh, via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, the Islanders are not only through to the second round, but uh, we know who their opponent is. And uh, we got a lot to cover. One one series that's over and uh, one series that's going to get started, both of which are pretty interesting. <laughs> I got to say, a lot of stuff happened. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny the, that the Islanders and Flyers, despite being in the same division for ever, basically, um, uh, haven't haven't had much playoff history outside of the 80s right obviously the first cup came against them but then mm-hmm. it's, it's it's been since 1987 and and I was trying to think of the last kind of do or die high stakes game against the Flyers that I could really remember and there's probably been one before this but um the one that I keep coming back to is the year the Flyers were terrible in 2007 when the Islanders needed to go on that miracle run. You know, we, we talk about a lot of things that need to be made into 30 for 30s, but the way Dubowitz, uh, you know, four, four game spectacular definitely needs to be, uh, be made into one because they needed to, you know, beat the Rangers, beat the Leafs and went back to backs against the Flyers who were bad and the Devils who were good, but clinched already. So they had nothing to play for and that Flyers game was on Easter Saturday, the Saturday before Easter. And uh, I just remember being so confident in that game because of how bad the Flyers were. <laughs> and the, the, the Islanders were kind of on a roll at that point. And they scored early. And I think they scored twice early. I remember, um, who was it? Rich, Richard Park scored that game. He, and he scored two the next night. So he, he was great. But uh, Yashin had like a, a howitzer pass. Anturo Nidimaki 
Um, and yeah, I remember. I, I'm just like, I, I, and I can't remember who scored. It might have been, it might have been, uh, was it Andy Hilbert or Randy Robitaille? It was, some, it was someone like of that ilk uh, that scored the first one. But the, the island, it was, it was such an uncharacteristic game because it just put your nerves at ease uh, very quickly. Uh, but that was it. I mean, I can't really, because then after that kind of stretch where, the Flyers were bad that one season. The Islanders couldn't beat the Flyers for a long time. And the, the rivalry, they've never really kind of coincided, you know, together. Mm. Like, they've never been good at the same time together. Like, the Flyers have been good a lot longer than the Islanders for the past, you know, 15, 20 years, where the Islanders, when they were good, like, the Flyers never really came into their universe. So that was the mm. last game that I can really remember that mattered a lot. Yeah, they're a little bit like the Devils in that they were good while the Islanders were basically abjectly terrible like you know the the lindros flyers for for the islanders for the for the lindros flyers the islanders were essentially like a bug on their windshield like this was a team that you know they they didn't ever come into their sphere of of worry (laughs) because they were just that much better same with the devils like they're they're worried about winning stanley cups and the islanders are winning worrying about just having a place to play um but yeah it is funny that they've been in the same division for so long and this is only the the fourth playoff matchup i think yeah the first one since 1987 which you know was a series that went seven games but the series before which was once against the capitals which also went seven games plus four overtimes uh kind of gets uh a little bit more uh uh remembered uh than uh than the one against the flyers but um yeah we'll, we'll talk a lot about the flyers in a little bit because that's who the islanders are going to play in the in the second round um but uh we should start with the uh the series that just concluded the one against the capitals and you know we spoke a couple of days ago we're really making up for lost time with these uh these podcasts we're you know doing two three a week which is that we never did before you know i guess we gotta we gotta find the time there's things happening a lot um and so you know it just seems like yesterday that we talked about you know worrying about how they were going to react to losing game four and boy they reacted in just about the best way possible they got a four nothing shutout yeah there was two empty net goals in there which you don't see too often uh but that was about as complete a game as we've seen the islanders play in a, in a long long time it was it was controlled, but it was a little bit tense. Obviously, being that it was it was a closeout game, but uh, you know there wasn't any of the any of the pushback or any of the funny stuff that the that had happened the game before. They got a, a nice goal on the power play of all places from Anthony Beauvillier in the first period, and then an awesome uh, sweet goal from Beauvillier again, set up by a sweet pass from um, Josh Bailey around John Carlson, and as Russian Machine put it. They, he absolutely clowned John Carlson on that, uh, which was pretty cool. Bo, Bo got a big shove from, of course, Tom Wilson into the post after that. And then after that, the Caps never really threatened. I mean, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, we were all worried about, and he came he came back and I didn't really do much. He had a big shot, I thought, was a sure goal in the third period early. But Simeon Varlamov was phenomenal, and he made a huge save. And that was it. And the last thing I knew, <laughs> the next thing I knew, the, the game was over, or Nick, Nick Letty scored a an empty net goal with uh, Braden Holpe pulled and, and that was it. The game was over. And uh, you know, so the series was over and I guess the caps had, had not gotten swept and it's maybe what, what they wanted. And then that was it. And so uh, they're moving on, but that was about as satisfying a win as a series. The Islanders have had in a very long time. And it's funny to think that after 23 years of not making the Stanley, the second round of the playoffs, the Islanders have now made the second round three times in the last five years. (laughs) 
And she's like, okay, really? Now, don't ask me what their record is when they make it into the second round, but uh, hopefully that, that can change this year. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty exciting that they're back here again a year after being here, you know, uh, against the Penguins last year. That that point you just made was not lost on me. Um, <laughs> as, as, you know, friends, after the game, everyone was texting, you know, excited, LGI, all sorts of stuff that how weird it was that it kind of just felt that this was going to come. Like when the Islanders were in that stretch where they didn't make the second round for, you know, my entire life, I this, I would, you be like when, when they'd get close, like in that capital series or even in, in that penguin series, I couldn't even imagine what it felt like to, to advance in a playoff series that the idea of, okay, you just went through a war with this team. Now you just got to get it out of your mind and then pick it up for the next one that was a foreign thought to me. And now it's, you know, under trots, it's, it's kind of just part of the Islander like ethos now, like they, they are second round playoff team at their floor at the moment. Um, so it's, it was, it's really just a wild shift. Um, and, and it's something, another part of the whole change in uh, the, the way this organization and the Islanders are run and, and perceived and everything is that they are a team that is made it to the second round more times in the past two years than the lightning <laughs> and you know, the, the hurricanes that, you know, they're, they're, mm. they're among, you know, they're just in great company and it's really taking getting used to, but uh, the, that game five was, uh, you know, it, it's so encouraging that the Islanders, like you said, they, they wobbled in game four. They wobbled a little bit. I would say in game one and two for like 10 minutes, game four was a game game long wobble. Uh, mm. But Anytime that they've been kind of nudged off course, like they, they get back in course correct. And uh, that's that's really encouraging for, for the next couple of rounds. I think that the way the cap, the Capitals people, <laughs> we'll talk about it a lot, but like people saying that the Capitals look disinterested or whatever is such bogus because they two days earlier were not disinterested, apparently. Uh, they, they were showing grit and determination and not giving up. Uh, but the... Uh, the, the fact that they got nudged off course and came back against a team that uh, really did bully them for a little bit is so encouraging. Like I just like that was a clinic. I think there's so much to like from that game. Uh, Josh Bailey was just talismanic, like best, best player. You could say Varlamov was cause he pitched a shutout. Um, but like Bailey, people talk about, you know, we were talking about Johnny Boychuk last week being a guy that when, when you notice him, he's probably doing well. Seth Jones too. Like Seth Jones, hmm. he's just all over the ice. It's impossible to not know when Seth Jones is on the ice. Josh Bailey, every time he stepped on the ice in game five, was it, something was happening. He was doing stuff that I'm like, what? this guy is unbelievable. Like, Yeah, that was one of the best games I've seen Bailey play in his career. And it was one of the – one of the best games I've seen an Islander play in in a in a big moment in, in a long like I, there there have been games where Matt Barzell has taken over you know he'll he'll mm. score a couple goals set up a couple and have you know some incredible plays from start to finish and that that's what you expect but like to see Josh Bailey just kind of morph into Matt Barzell for a little bit uh, <laughs> was unbelievable he's been he and and that line has just been cooking so um, yeah uh, I actually I listened to uh, XM NHL radio and totally not expecting them to actually talk about the Islanders, but they actually did. And Mike Johnson is one of the better analysts out there, right up there with like a Ray Ferraro or AJ Malesko type. And, and he, he basically nailed it. You know, when that line, Beauvillier, Brock Nelson and Bailey are, are on as they've been 
throughout these playoffs really opens up space for Barzell and Lee and Everly to have, you know, maybe a little bit of an off game, but their game, you know, they're the ones that didn't get the goals in, in game five, but they had a pretty good game too. They, they spent a lot of time in the cap zone. They were, you know, going completely bonkers at one point, I think it was in the early in the third period or maybe late in the second where they just went to work and, and worked it all the way around and just came up short of a goal. And so, you know, those get the pressure won't be, all on those guys if there is a second scoring option. And it reminded me of how many years we talked about how the Islanders just never had that second line, you know, that second consistent scoring option. Basically the entirety of the John Tavares era <laughs> was a search for another person to score goals that wasn't him, you know? And so now they've got a whole line working and we can't say enough too about Brock Nelson. Uh, you know, we've talked about it probably on half a dozen episodes of this podcast about his transformation under trots. But, you know, he, again, that whole line had a great game. Bovillier had both goals and Bailey made the really fancy noticeable plays, but Nelson was just as good. Like Nelson was excellent. And then he got the final word on Tom Wilson after the game was over chirping on, we have no idea what he said. Maybe we never know. So you can insert your own insults here, but uh, you know, it, it's fun to see. And he's playing with a ton of confidence right now. And, and uh you know, this this team can go far if they've got that that line working and then eventually, you know, Barzell, Everly, and Lee will get their thing. And and I, we also have to mention, too, they won that game without Cal Clutterbuck, who first looked like he was going to play maybe a day earlier, but then apparently went to Barry Trotz early in game day and was like, I can't, I can't, I'm not 100%. And so Der- Derek Broussard was scratched, which, you know, was a little bit surprising. Michael Dalcole and Ross Johnston went in. And I'll tell you, you know, they played pretty well. And, and I know that, that Del Cole has people out there that can't stand him. He's not, you know, they don't want him and don't ever see him in a lineup. He's not going to score goals. Like, let's just be honest. He's, he's not going to score goals, but he's a younger, faster, just as equally hitting Leo Komarov. <laughs> and I mean that probably in the best way. It sounds like faint praise, but I noticed him. And, and I think he did what he had to do. Went out there, caused some havoc. And then just got off the ice and let the other lines get back on. And I mean, he, he's, they're all following the game plan and Bailey had probably the best quote afterwards. He said that when they're playing the way they're supposed to play, it's contagious on the bench and everybody mm-hmm. wants to bring, be the next guy up and do the right thing again and so on and so forth. And that's how they end up becoming just kind of a machine that chewed the caps up and spit them out and, and own basically every relevant stat in the series. And, you know, you could say the Caps were disinterested, but I mean, if I was being beaten that hard, I'd probably look disinterested too. Like, you know, the point <laughs> where the Caps, are, what were they going to do? They're going to come back and they're just going to get beat again. Like, so, uh, yeah, it was fun. That whole that whole n- narrative is just it, it. It bothered me a lot because nobody started their obituary for the Capitals as, with, yeah, they got beat by the team that was better. It was. Yeah, the stars were, you know, they kind of checked out. They they didn't want to be in the bubble anymore. It was obvious, like, hmm. pretty sure that their stars were the only ones that, that did anything in that game. The problem with the Caps was they don't have any, they don't have depth. And hmm. you can say that John Carlson had a bad series. John Carlson was hurt before the series. There was a, a lot of talk about him not playing in game one. So maybe he just wasn't 100%. It, it bothers me because the Islanders are finally, and we talked about this last last week, that, you know, that this is the point where you'd expect if the Islanders were a different team making uh, another run in, in the playoffs, that this, they would be like, wow, this is a really impressive. This is something else. And there are people that, that do talk and they, they uh, or give them credit, especially to Trotz and, and Lamarillo. Uh, but as a, as a team, like 
the transformation that this group has undergone, like, please don't forget that two years ago, the Islanders were the worst defensive team in one of the worst defensive teams in NHL history, like mm. NHL history that, that, right. that, and now they are known for being one of the best teams in the league defensively. And they're known for not being hard to beat because of that. So like they, they, there's none of that talk. It's all, they yeah, the caps were checked out, even though 48 hours earlier, they were 24 hours earlier, the caps were coming back from two, nothing down uh, they were flying all over the place. They were talking about how they wanted to stay. Uh, they got they got suffocated by the Islanders because when the Islanders are good, they, no matter the you know Soviet era, the Red Machine could be playing them, and the Islanders will stick with them because they're hard to break down. They, they make I thought Patrick Sharp put it perfectly. Like they get it, they make the neutral zone very thick. It's really hard to get through uh, with any sort of momentum and. If you don't take your chances, like that Nick, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, the save that Barlamov made on Backstrom, you're not going to beat them because you're not. It's those chances are not going to come. You know, few, they're they're few and far between, and there is none of that. And I mean, we're we, at this point, like it's 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 almost like sad that we even care. But I do I do care. I do care that the Islanders aren't getting the credit that they're due uh, in ever. And it's just it boggles my mind. And it just it's it feels a little trolly from the media. I mean, you got. Michael Russo, who's a Minnesota, I mean, yes, he's a Long Island guy, but he, he covers the Minnesota Wild. Like, would you think he was he was paying attention to the Islanders series when when he's tweeted out that the the Capital Stars weren't into it? Uh, definitely not, because he didn't. We would have picked up that Alex Ovechkin, T.J. Oshie, and Evgeny Kuznetsov were the only one who produced anything in that series. And Braden Holpe, he was good. He was on and off. Like there was games where he was really good, games where he wasn't. It, it's at least that nobody pays attention. And then yeah, the other chorus is, yeah, the Islanders are ruining hockey. Here comes the dead puck era. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah the most influential team in the in, in the in the sport is coming to, to change the game. Like, nobody's paying. Nobody sees the Islanders like, wow, like that's the the 1996 1997 Devils all over again. Like it's mm-hmm. it, no, you can say they play the same same style, but they're not changing the game. Like this is the New York Islanders. Like they are, right, no. they're playing the way they have to play because they don't have Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. They have a, a, a collection of group players who who are all who've all lost so much together. Like Josh Bailey was on horrible teams for the first ten years of his career. Now he's on a good one, so of course he's going to do what he's supposed to do. Like he wants to win. Winning's fun. Brock Nelson, same thing. Mm. It's it, it. Nobody's nobody's talking about that. Actually. Patrick Sharp is, and so, like the people who are people people who are on the broadcast are, but everyone who's on the fringes, they're they're just talking about how these other teams are bored and nobody cares. It's, it's and, it, and it's it's not only is it insulting to the Islanders, and I get that people don't care about insulting the Islanders, it's fine, but it's also insulting to the the players in this case, the Capitals too. Like, how do you want to be? You know, I don't know if they think that they're making the Caps sound better. By being like, well, you know, they, they could have beaten them if they cared. Like, how does that go down with the caps? Like, you know, if I was if I was Alex Ovechkin, I'd be like, I, hey, man, I goddamn cared. I was scoring the only guy scoring goals out there. Like, what are you talking about? And if he thought his his teammates weren't caring, well, then he's going to have to have a problem. Um, you know, I did see one tweet, though, that was like, you know, the fact that the Islanders made the caps look like they didn't care is really a testament to how well the Islanders played. Like, that's, you know, the 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 long and short of it is that to make them look that that checked out takes a lot of work and the Islanders put in that work and, and deserve to win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's been interesting. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. I blame the penguins as I, as I do in most yeah. cases. 
I blame the Penguins because I, I there there may have been an element of being checked out. We talked about Evgeny Malkin looking like he he wanted to play for any team in the league besides the Penguins, and you know the the scenario in which the Penguins lost to the the Canadians seems so far fetched until about a game before it happened, and you're like, oh my god, the Habs have a two games to one lead on these guys going into game four, you know, so um, it, there might have been something there, and I saw some tweets like, you know. Well, the, the Penguins have just won so much that they just couldn't couldn't get up for this tournament. Okay, well, then that's a problem with the Penguins. Like, that's hugely insulting to the Penguins that, you know, these guys have already won enough. They don't give a shit anymore. Well, if I was Sidney Crosby, I'd be like, what's the matter? Are you kidding right now? Like, you know, we just we just lost. They lost to a, a team with a good goalie and a, and a pretty mobile defense. So it happens. But the, uh, the Bruins yeah. thing, too, like when the Bruins, yeah. God forbid, they split the, the, the first two right. games of their series against the Hurricanes off that – uh, round robin where they went 0-3, which they admitted to being like, no, we were using that as preseason. Like, we didn't, sure, we didn't yeah. try our hardest because nobody wanted to get hurt before the playoffs. And then they split <laughs> the first two games, two caress leaves, and all of a sudden it was, wow, the Bruins probably, uh, they're in trouble here. They don't care. And then what? Are they, nobody's talking about, oh, wow, the Bruins care all of a sudden. It's the Bruins are really good. The Bruins are back. Like, they, they, it's, <laughs> they never went anywhere. They yeah, just, they never went anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> It's um, but so I, I mean, I think there might be some some sports writer projection going on there. Yeah. These, this is usually cabin time for a lot of these guys, and they're probably pissed off. They have to sit in front of a TV and do Zoom uh, post game press conferences, which <laughs> do suck. I'm not saying they don't suck, but uh, there's something there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, this is the second year in a row um, that the Islanders kind of clinched a a very satisfying. Uh, season or you know post game post season series against a bitter rival and uh you know it feels pretty good uh, obviously <laughs> we we had some some feelings for the caps that uh obviously according to the comments in the last, in the last uh uh post uh, of the last episode we did um a lot of people don't share and that's fine uh everybody loved beating the penguins sweeping the penguins last year no doubt about that um and and it's pretty cool and it it you know i, I think that players on other teams know now what they're in for. And we'll talk about what the flyers are in for in the second half, but you know, the Islanders are gaining a reputation. It, it's hard to play against them. And, and if you go into a, a series against these guys, there's a good chance that they're going to swarm you and win the series and, and take it over. And as the penguins, you know, maybe took them a little bit lightly last year. Well, they found that out. The caps, probably took the Islanders a little bit lightly and well, guess what they, you know, they shouldn't have knowing who, that they know who the coach is, but uh, they, they found out just how hard it is when these guys are running at full capacity to beat them. And uh, if you saw the post game handshake between Barry Trotz and John Reardon, his successor, uh, yeah, it was, it was a little frosty as Arthur Staples said. And, you know, I think there might be some, some hard feelings there and I don't know what's going to happen to Reardon, but, you know, I think that it was a it was a lesson for the Caps in a lot of ways, and a lesson for the rest of the league. Like, you know, th- these guys aren't going anywhere, and you might not know all the names up and down the roster, but they play a certain way that that more often than not wins games. I mean, Barry Trotz is now the second winningest coach in the playoffs in Islanders history. He's won eleven <laughs> games. He's obviously a little bit behind Al Arbor, but he's now one game ahead of Jack Capuano. You know, and so. You know, it, the formula works again. It requires the season, you know, the roster to be full and a couple other things to happen, and 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 you know, a full sixty-minute effort. But the system works, and uh, you know, it, it's so far, it's it's proven that two years in a row to uh, to some pretty uh, fun results. I got to say, you know, 
having beaten defense, uh, you know, de- de- uh, division rivals like that. It, yeah, it, it's the best. It's, I, it's, it's fun to watch. Like it's just fun to watch your team win anyway. And this is the way the Islanders do. Uh, mm. This is the way they win. And, and if if they were I, I, the Avalanche, or so if you look at the the way the Avalanche play, right? They they're known for their crazy speed offense, mm. and they're they generate so much off the rush and. They obviously have a ton of talent at the top of their roster, but the Avalanche play a very good defensive game. So mm-hmm. it's it's not like it's there's there's something to be said about these these other you know good teams that refuse to you know buy into the fact that oh we're you know the NHL isn't a seven five league anymore that that was kind of left in 1980 and, mm-hmm. and the teams that are buying into oh, like you know you got to play defense are still around and they they are around consistently. The, the Islanders are getting a lot of flack for, for, you know, sending the NHL back to the dead puck era, which is once again, the Islanders are, are yeah, like, I don't know why the Islanders are all of a sudden the team that's doing that. When mm-hmm. last year we saw a, a Stanley cup final between the two best defensive teams in the league, the Boston Bruins are lauded at every corner. They're the best. They're so consistently good. It's so hard to get them off their game. The Bruins play like the Islanders do. They just have a better power play and a better first line. That's it. Like they they play a very similar style. We talk about it all the time. We never want to play the Bruins because they play the way the Islanders do, but better. <laughs> the Lightning, great defensive team with a really good offense. Nobody is talking about that except with the Islanders, which is it really just I don't get it. I don't uh but like like we always say like for some reason the Islanders are treated like this uh this it's like the kid that you just don't want over to your house and, and he's mm. overstaying his welcome and eating all your snacks. You're just like, we got to get this guy out of here because I, he's driving me up a wall and I can't figure out why, <laughs> even though it's you know, probably very polite and d- deserves to be there. Uh, mm. But I, I don't, I just don't really get it. And, and it's just coming from random places too, which is yeah. even what makes it even funnier. Well, it's uh, coming that, from people that probably haven't watched an Island, a full Islanders game in right. years, you know? And so they, they take what, what they want. And yeah, I, I think it, I think it just boils down to people being irritated that they don't know who's on this team. Like <laughs> the, nobody thinks of the Bruins or lightning as being teams with good defenses because they know all those guys. Like we, we can all list anybody listening to this podcast can literally list the Bruins entire lineup from memory because we've seen those guys a hundred times. We've watched them play a million playoff games. The, the lightning feel like they've been the same exact team for 10 years, you know? And meanwhile, some of these guys are, fairly young they've been together for so long and we talked about those guys yanni gord and and Braden point and all those guys last time and it's like so they know those those names but you know when you look at the islanders and people are like who the hell is michael del cole like they just get <laughs> irritated by that or who the hell is ryan pullock or you know adam pellick like they just don't know and that's why i you know i was thinking about it the other day like given how the how the series against the capitals unfolded and, and quite honestly how the series against the penguins last year unfolded like I'm surprised that the Islanders, this might sound like sour grapes, but I'm surprised the Islanders aren't like more of an analytics darling a little bit. And why, why do the the Hurricanes get that? Well, the Hurricanes get that because they put a lot of shots on goal, and everybody knows who Nino Niederreiter is. Like that that to me is the difference, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like if if you l- are looking for the team with these really eye popping underlying numbers, I mean, what the Islanders just did to the Caps is like. A dismantling like they literally took these guys apart and and uh russian machine had a had a cool article that you know had game four not happened and the and game four happened the way the previous three games had happened it would have been the single you know most lopsided 
expected goals or, you know, shot share loss in the history of the, the NHL playoffs, or at least in the last, you know, salary cap era or something like that. And it's like, why doesn't that get, like you said, why isn't that getting more play? Well, yep. it just isn't because people look at the roster and they're like, you know, Anders Lee is making how much? Like, <laughs> could they pick Anders Lee out of a lineup? Probably not, you know? So I think that's just what it comes down to. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of it's just kind of a popularity contest and the Islanders, well, they're never going to be the most popular kid. So it's just how it is. So and that's how it, you know, I mean, hopefully we'll see. And we'll talk about the, you know, we're going to talk in a minute about the flyer series, but you know, if they put up a similar showing like they did, I think it's going to have be time to, it's going to be hard to ignore them, you know, for much longer. They're just going to have to be, they're just going to be there. Like the teams that are all there that we were kind of sick of anyway. Yeah. I, I, I think, I think you nailed it, right? They, they're not an analytics darling. They're not a, you know, they're, if you look at the 2015 team, they were like, they, everyone, everyone loved them because right. they played that, you know, go, 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 go. They go. put a lot of shots on goal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Like, you, and it's so hard to quantify what a good defense is because there's the, 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 the puck changes possessions 300 times in an NHL game. So it's really hard to say, to, to look at numbers and say, well, that was a good defense. It's getting a little bit easier. I think that people are starting to catch on, but you know, they're, they're continuing to, to win games through un uh, you know, unsexy ways. And, uh, yeah, that's just not going to do it. They, they'll keep getting made fun of and getting called an affront to hockey and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, you know, they're – I mean, we're talking about this team right now in the second round of the playoffs. There's a freaking plane flying over Toronto right now with a banner that says, let's go. Like, this is this is a team that, that has its, – its, its fan base is insane. Uh, it's always behind them. It hates them as much as it loves them, which is the sign of a, a, a good, passionate fans, fan base. And it's just – they're, we're living in in basically the second best era of Islander hockey, I would say. Maybe you know we're 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 getting up there, so uh, yeah. it's hard. It's really it's really hard. Not just I, I guess I'm I'm clamoring for more recognition for that because for a team that has been through the lows that the Islanders have and the fan base has, like you you you'd kind of want the and this isn't they haven't won anything yet, but like you'd want the come up that they're experiencing to to be more well recognized be like you know what like this team deserves deserves this no matter how they're playing no matter how boring it might look to a neutral like this is this is good for the islanders and good for their fans and uh none of that's none of that's happened yet and i doubt it will if they beat the flyers because then it's going to be yeah the panthers capitals and flyers are all pretty flawed let's see them beat the Bruins. yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was, <laughs> I was telling my wife that today i was like if if they beat these guys it'll be like wow well, the flyers didn't feel like playing anymore. And if they lose to them, it'd be like, well, the Islanders shouldn't have been there in the first place. So, you know, <laughs> you really can't win. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break and we're going to talk more in depth about the Flyers series and, uh, you know, what what we're looking forward to, maybe what we're not looking forward to and uh, what uh, the schedule looks like. Uh, we'll be back in a minute. Thanks. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Our favorite sponsor is vintageicehockey.com, where you can get t shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. Long Island Ducks, New York Golden Blades, New England Whalers. Um, if you're a Flyers fan, some uh, some uh, old Philly teams uh, are in there, I'm sure. Uh, you can also get our Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor t-shirt, uh, the port, all of our portion of which goes to the Center for Dementia Research. Uh, there's Isles Buzz t-shirts there, too. You should check those out as well. VintageIceHockey.com. And if you put Lighthouse 15 into the discount code box, uh, you can save 15% off your order. So VintageIceHockey.com uh, today. So uh, the next series will be against the Philadelphia Flyers, who beat the Montreal Canadiens in six games. Uh, some very weird games. Both teams are very similar in that, well, both the, the Flyers and the Habs are really similar. Good goaltending, um, periods of complete offensive ineptitude, <laughs> uh, de- mobile defenses, guys that you know aren't the biggest guys in the world but, but aren't afraid to jump up in the rush and play. Uh, were they the six most entertaining games I've watched this whole period, this whole time period? No, they were not. Um, but the Flyers, I think most generally people felt they were the best team going in. They ended up, uh, you know, coming out of it. Uh, the Habs put up a fight, but at the end of the day, the Flyers were just better. And so now the Flyers are going to have to face an Islanders team that is, you know, a lot different than that Canadians team. They're, they are much more sort of, both teams are really defensive, but I think, you know, the Islanders seem to play with a lot more cohesion uh, than the Habs do. A lot more, like you said, the thick, fat, neutral zone, whatever it is. They, they don't really give up all that much. Um, and the goaltending has been good, too, although Simeon Varlamov is quite a, quite, has quite a bit more years on him than uh, Carter Hart does. Um, I'm surprisingly confident going into this. I do think the Islanders can beat the Flyers. Will they? Well... That's a story for another time, but uh, I do think it's it's a pretty decent matchup. Certainly, better than the, <laughs> the Bruins or Lightning would have been. Um, but uh, wh- where is this? You were talking before about the uh, sort of betting line early uh, for this, and, and it's kind of a little bit telling as to what people think of the Islanders and Flyers going into this, right? Yeah, and, and some context is throughout the regular season, uh, the Islanders have been a team that uh, betters have typically stayed away from or bet against just because like we said, they're hard to quantify like good defense, very hard to quantify. Um, the line I think was, it was, it was like one minus one forty. So you bet a dollar 40 to win a hundred or 140 to win a hundred on Philadelphia and the Islanders were plus plus one twenty. So you bet a hundred, you win 120. So the Islanders were slight underdogs, like you have 46% underdogs, 45% underdogs. Um, and then overnight, the Islanders got bet into a lot. Like, so, so there's the, the market is confident in the Islanders too. Does that make me more confident? Hell no. Like I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really mad at myself for how confident I feel. Uh, and, and I've been thinking this the whole time. Like if, if when the flyers, when it was pretty clear, the flyers were taking that round Robin seriously, and we're going to basically uh, go three and zero and get the number one seed. I was like, well, if the Islanders somehow end up playing the flyers in that uh, Eastern conference semifinal, it's a coin flip. Like they, the Flyers are maybe a little bit better than the Islanders overall, um, but there's 
pretty much these, there's nothing really that separates these two teams um, talent-wise. Uh, Sean Couturier is very good. Claude Giroux, very good. Kevin Hayes is good. Kevin Hayes and Brock Nelson, that's a wash, I would say. Like, there's if you go up and down the lineup, there's really no – you're not like, oh, God, like how are we going to stop Nathan McKinnon or how are you going to stop the Brad Marchand line? It's not, that's not the Flyers. Like, they're kind of like the Islanders where they, they don't have any true weaknesses, but they don't have any – jump off the page glitz either so uh they're not mirror images of each other either but they're they're close like in talent wise i think the islanders would be best served kind of playing the series like they played the capital series and the panther series they just dare you to beat them dare you to you know come come through us try to try to get through the neutral zone you're not going to generate you better be able to score and the flyers weren't able to do that i I kept betting against the flyers in the last series because they scored five goals in the first four games and were up 3-1 in a series. That's the first <laughs> time that's ever happened in NHL history. So they were not scoring. Like they, They're similar to the Islanders in that way. Like, sure, Claude Giroux and Jake Voracek, they can score. But if, if, if they don't have time and space, they're not going to. And the Islanders are such a tough defense that if the Islanders show up the way they do, there's every reason to believe that they can come out uh, on top. And so, yeah, the, the betting market now, uh, the Islanders were down to like plus 110. So – there's been a bit of a shift in their favor uh, since then. And, and you can't really, I don't disagree with it. I thought, I thought it was coming too, which is funny because like I said, the Islanders were bet against even before that Panther series, like the, the Panthers were the team getting kind of most of the money. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty, you know, jazzed up, but also just scared because I, I, I've now felt confident for all through, this is the third series in a row where I'm like, I don't really know why, but I'm feeling confident. Um, and you, you, you just expect it's going to run out and the Islanders will eventually uh, this, this dream will, will, will fade, but it's uh, right now it's zero zero. So I can still be as confident as I want, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I was thinking about that too today. And I think it's both of us. Cause I feel the same way. Like, you know, you don't want to get like part of you is thinking, you know, you, we've all watched these games now and we're thinking, you know what, if the Islanders play their, their style, they should be able to do this. I mean, you know, the caps came in, with Ovechkin and Oshi and and Backstrom and and Kuznetsov and Nit Wilson and a you know, pretty pretty you know good forward group and the Islanders just completely dismantled them and shut them down. The Panthers too, like the you know we were all hit, sitting here worried about the Uberdo Barkov Dadnov line and I mean they barely made a peep in four games. You know um, the so uh, you know on one hand you're you're thinking about that and you're like yeah you know matchup wise I think this might be working but. On the other hand, I think we don't want to get too uh, confident because we don't want that that crash. Like we don't want to come back, you know, four games from now and be like, "Oh, god damn it, they lost!" I can't believe they lost, and now I'm really bummed, you know. Um, so I think we're all trying to guard against that that kind of overconfidence and and that heartbreak should it happen now or whenever. Um, but yeah, that being said, I mean, each one of these different series has posed a different. Um, challenge so we talked in the Panthers series about well if, if Bobrovsky who hadn't really had a great season if he shows up the Islanders could be in a lot of trouble well he showed up all right and the Islanders still dispatched a Panther without much trouble I mean the, the one game they lost was really their own fault they got into penalty trouble and there you go with the Caps it was like all right well these guys just won the cup two years ago and they've got a whole host of guys that are you know have hit careers that are pretty spectacular and the Islanders you know came in and, and just shut them down to the point where people thought they just wanted to go home um, you know, the Flyers certainly don't look like a team that wants to go home. And like you said, they've got 
a lot of depth. They've got guys like Hayes in the front in the front line, but then you've got, you know, third line guys and fourth line guys that that can come out and score on you. And then you've got a defense that is never shy about putting the puck on the net. Guys like Provorov and Gosses Bear, who for whatever reason comes in and out of the lineup. I mean, th- these guys are are pretty good. Uh, Travis Konechny has haunted the Islanders in the past. So I mean, when I say there, I'm confident. I mean that I do think the Islanders can win the series. And when I say, will they, well, I don't know because things can go either way. And, and, you know, the Islanders have yet to play a long series too. You know, if this goes beyond a game five, well, you know, how are they going to respond to that? But I do like that they have kept this one game at a time. Barry Trotz has them focused. And like you said earlier, you know, they've been pretty good at making adjustments, whether it's in between periods or in between games. And so I, I expect them to, to, you know, do what it is that they do and, and hope, hope that the, you know, the final score ends up in their favor. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this, you know, won't be easy. And, and Carter Hart has given Flyers fans a lot of hope. He's a goalie that, you know, was had a great junior career in the Western hockey league. I'm sure Matt Barzell knows him really, really well. And um, now I sound like Pierre McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hate that. Um, but uh, you know, he, he's, he also had some moments against the Canadians that were like, Bro, seriously, he got pulled in one game. The fly- Oh, but that's what I meant to say. The Flyers' power play, you know, we were hemming and hawing about the Islanders' power play going like, you know, one for 15 or something like that at one point. The, the, the Flyers' power play before game five was also like one for 19. Like they went through a stretch where they just couldn't score on the power play either until they finally broke out. They went three for seven in game five against the Habs. So, I mean, just, sometimes it happens. Um, uh, yeah, so, I mean, this will be a pretty interesting one. And, and I've said it before, like I don't mind the Flyers – you know, Ron Hextall era was a long, long time ago. I don't really necessarily hate them. I have a lot of friends who are Flyers fans who I have unfortunately had to mute because <laughs> they don't have a whole lot of respect for the Islanders. And to be honest, they're great people. And, I, and I, I, I'm all for them. I support them and their love of the Flyers. But I just don't need the grief like that uh, to read during a playoff series. And so uh, I'll have to check in with them after it's over. Hopefully I don't have to keep them muted forever. <laughs> um, but uh, this is going to be an interesting one. I think a lot of people are going to be watching the Islanders and are going to be surprised at at just how much talent is on this team. And it's not just, you know, a a game plan executed uh, flawlessly. It's, there's a lot of good team players on this team that, you know, can, can hurt you if, if you let them, let them loose. And so I think now might be the time to, to see them do their thing. Yeah. I think a lot of our confidence also comes from the fact that in the past, uh, you know, 20 years when the Islanders somehow waltz into the playoffs by some miracle or whatever, they've been treated as such an underdog in, in whatever series they go into. Um, well, it's like you said, we never had to think about making the second round because yeah. it just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> exactly. So, so now like, like there's some, there's definitely some like uh, walls being broken down that are, are, are leading to confidence because yeah, like, like they, they're, they're being given a chance by a lot of people. I think, especially Islander fans, like it's not going to be like, we're not looking at this like, oh, you know, if we do somehow get lucky and shut Sidney Crosby down, like we do have a chance in the series. I don't think we'll win it, but maybe we can extend it to six games. It's no, they can win the series. Like if, if the Islanders play well, like they, they probably have a better chance of winning the series. If both teams bring their A game, it's just, that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, there, there's uh it's, it, you, you said it, right? Like there, the, the, we have so many teams that like, I loathe to like an unhealthy degree between the Rangers and Penguins and Maple Leafs and that the Flyers kind of just aren't up there yet. Uh, and they never really have been. I, I really hated Chris Pronger. Um, mm. Well, so, Lindros was the big yeah, one. Yeah, Lindros for sure. Whole like, Legion of Doom line. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
they were, they were, they were just guys that like, I, I did hate, like I hated Jeff, Jeff Carter scored eight, eight billion goals against the Islanders <laughs> when he was on the Flyers. Uh, and I, I just, this team isn't, they're just not as hateable as, as those teams. And maybe we'll get some flack from somebody who's, who hates the Flyers more, but you know, that's, that's just kind of how I feel about it. It's not, not saying that's the, the Island, the way Islander fans feel, but, uh, I do, I do hate Scott Lawton. I feel like he scores against the Islanders all the time. Mm. Konechny is going to, he's going to be the guy that after every whistle, he's, he's better, he's better than, uh, than, than people realize. And he's also, you know, got a little Brad March hand in him and after the whistle stuff. And so there, there, there's hateable guys on this team. And the Carter Hart, um, he's, he's getting a lot. He played really well in games, uh, but you, you nailed the thing, right? He, he, he hiccuped twice. He, he really did. So if, if he's not, he's got to be, much better. Um, he's got to be consistently good for the Flyers to to win. And if he does have a letdown game, like the Islanders are going to jump all over that. And because if he lets in two goals that he he's not supposed to in a game, the Islanders are going to win that game because they don't really let in. They don't let opportunities go the other way. Obviously, you know, goaltending is impossible to project. So Simeon Varlamov, who's looked incredibly sharp, could just come out in the series and be terrible. Like we just don't know. But yeah. I just think that uh, it's it's all these are 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 good questions because they're all basically coin flips and it's really just going to come down to what team's power play is a little bit better who gets the lucky breaks who gets the goaltending and the, for the islanders to be in this kind of series in the second round of the playoffs is 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 awesome like they're not in a series where they're like we got to make sure like to sh- we don't we won't have a chance if the lightning are running running around and playing well like the islanders will have a chance if the flyers play well the islanders just have to play well so they yeah. kind of control their own destiny in a way that uh they they really haven't done in in many times in my entire life. Yeah, this, um, you know, you know, not to put too fine a point on it. And again, I don't want to look too far ahead. I want to stick with the Islanders plan of, you know, one game at a time. But, uh, you know, when looking at, at how this whole thing is shaken out, we might be looking at the Islanders' best chance to win a Stanley Cup in our lifetime. You know, I mean, when you think about it, like the other times that the Islanders made the playoffs, again, they were kind of lucky to be there and, and didn't have the stuff at the end of the day, the 2016 year where they played the lightning, that series was a lot. We've talked about it before. That series was a lot closer than people remember. The Islanders lost two, two heartbreakers with like a couple of minutes to go because they just misplayed some, you know, they had leads late and then misplayed him and then lost in overtime. And like, had those games gone another way, maybe things would have been different. Um, but, you know, obviously again, the, the team just didn't have what it took. And then, you know, last year <laughs> we we were talking in September of last season how bad a matchup the Hurricanes were, and sure enough, it came back to bite us in the ass in uh, April. You know, so that that was a lot of fun. But um, you know, this is a team, and you know, uh, this is a chance right now for the Islanders to to go further than you know. <laughs> if they win two games, they'll have gone further than they have been in, in quite some time. But hopefully, it doesn't just stop there; it keeps going. But uh, you know, we're looking at it at a, it's it's come down to a very weird scenario nobody wants it to be the way it is you know with in, in toronto with no fans or watching on tv um but uh you know this is yeah this is right now is a little bit of a mini golden age i mean winning two series in back-to-back years means that this team is already better than the 2001 2002 team that we're always talking about you know and then after that they they would make the first round and then just get their butts handed to them so i mean that didn't really work out that well and then you know you have that the second round with Tavares and stopped there, you know, it didn't really go any further than that. So yeah, better enjoy it. Hopefully, uh, you know, the, again, the Islanders end up 
on the uh, right side of things when it's all over, but uh, we, we should really enjoy this time. Um, as for when you can enjoy that time, we should talk a little bit about the very wonky schedule that the NHL has put together. So game one is actually going to be Monday at seven. Uh, so we're putting doing this on Saturday, so they got a couple of days rest. Monday at seven, NBCSN will have it. Uh, I don't think it'll be on MSG. I think at this point, MSG Plus is uh, broadcasts are basically over. Um, game two will be Wednesday at three, which for those of us with meetings and work, kind of sucks. But what are you going to do? Uh, sucks even more is that game three will be Thursday at eight. So you got back to backs. Um, they're not the only ones. The Bruins and Lightning also have game two and three back to back. And, you know, you were saying before, people, the, the NHL clearly doesn't want these guys living in a bubble any longer than they have to. But if it was, if I was a player, I'd rather spend an extra day in there than have a back to back game. But maybe the players don't mind the back to back games. To me, having a game at three and then having a, another game at eight the next day kind of bugs me. Oh, and then game four is Saturday at noon. So, it's it's four games, but they're all over the, the map in terms of starting times. And maybe the players won't mind because they're in the bubble anyway. But I don't know. For me, it it just seems very weird. And I, I don't think it favors one team or the other, but I just don't like it. It just seems kind of off uh, in general. Yeah, it really does. Um, it's It's been – I remember like just the first that series against the Panthers being like, yeah, of course the Islanders are going to be – you know, 12 right. o'clock or, you know, if, if they had a time slot at 930 in the morning, like the NHL would put the Islanders <laughs> and Panthers there. Like it, it so this one, that, that's why it feels weird. It's, there's a, there's two games in each bubble or two, two, two series in each bubble. So you figured things would be a little different, but you know, there's obviously a lot of moving parts that we're not privy to, but yeah, the, the three o'clock start and then the back to backs and, uh, it's, it's almost like the way the Islanders schedule kind of comes out for the regular season when you're like, wait a minute, why are they playing in Ottawa tonight? And then back-to-back uh, <laughs> in, in, yeah. in Nashville and Arizona, and then all of a sudden they come back. Like There's just all this stuff that, that n- never seems to make sense, it seems like, yeah. every year. There's always that uh, – they always go on a Western trip, and then there's like a layover in Pittsburgh yes. on the way back. And it's always like, man, that game is, yeah. is not going to be pretty, you know? Exactly. Oh, God. So. But yeah, it's, 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 it, it, I guess it is what it is. And, um, it's, it, you hope, you just hope that, uh, when, when these three o'clock starts that, that people kind of are now in the, uh, playoff mode where they're like, you know what, I'm just going to take a little, take my lunch, lunch late and maybe <laughs> use a little sick time or something. Then I get, yeah. get ready. Cause it's, 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 it's game two of the freaking Eastern conference semifinals that the Islanders are playing at three o'clock on a Wednesday yeah. so in August. And, uh, it's, so you, you got to find the, uh, you got to dig deep, just like the team. Yeah. Find, <laughs> just, you know, have a good morning. Just as we all expected. Yeah, you know, exactly. In the second round, in <laughs> the Eastern Conference semifinals, 3 o'clock on a Wednesday in, in August. Just yeah. to plan. I, I got to so, say, too, it's I would, this Flyers thing is, is really throwing me for a loop because I just, like we were talking about before, when the, before season starts, like I'm like, oh, like I would, they just never come into my, my mind as like, what if we meet the Flyers in the playoffs? It's just never, it never, ever crosses my mind. It feels so weird uh, that this is happening. It feels very uh, '80s. Mm. It just does. It, you know, yeah. I, I, I always say like, you know, I said, I'm so far removed from those teams that I just don't have the um, that nostalgia for uh, you know beating the Flyers like a lot of the older fans do. Uh, so it's just it's something completely new to me. Uh, and, and finding the the hatred for the Flyers might take a game or two. Mm. Oh, I'm I'm sure by the end of this we'll probably hate the Flyers. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. we will, and they'll hate and they'll hate the Islanders. I'm ex- actually well, but... excited for that. Like I'm excited to have another team on the list and uh, the ever-growing yeah. list. So, 
Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely an old school situation. Again, when I was growing up and I remember going to, you know, games when I was real little in the mid eighties, that the flyers were, I mean, the penguins really weren't a rival at that point. You know, it was Rangers and flyers were the two big rivals for the Islanders at the time. And, and I remember them engendering much, much anger amongst uh, the, the stands at Nassau Coliseum. Um, but again, they were, they were really good. I mean, that was, that was really what made it was that they were so good. I mean, they went to the finals a bunch of years in a row there and, and uh, you know, then, you know, it's almost like the, the Flyers have had a really weird history because they haven't won a Stanley cup since 75, since the broad street bullies. But if you would ask somebody, you know, who's, who's good and who's a threat, the Flyers have been good for so long that you almost don't even forget that you, you almost don't even remember that right. it's been that long. And I mean, they're probably looking at this too. They're probably looking at the Islanders thinking this is our best chance to win a Stanley cup since like for the first time since yeah. 1975. So, That's a good point. you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're you know, it's, it's matchup just as much as we are They're you know, sure. the Bruins and the lightning. That's a great, but they're almost like the anti Islanders in that, you know, the Islanders have had these stretches where they're just completely inept, a total afterthought, you know, they can't even, they don't even have a place to play and they just, you know, the, the whole seasons are over before they even start. Whereas with the flyers, they're just good year after year. I mean, their, their fallow periods have lasted maybe two seasons, maybe three. I remember the, the pre Lindros, Kevin Deneen era being pretty bad for them, but that was a long time ago. And then they got Lindros and then never looked back. I mean, it's look at the penguins, you know, they have just a couple of bad seasons every few years. And then before you know it, they're a cup contender for the next decade. So yeah, that, that was the thing that stuck out for me that, that 2017 with a young Mike Richards and young Jeff Carter. And I remember Scotty Upshaw was a big deal for them. And they had Ben right. here and uh, Scott Hartnell. And yep. yeah, the, the, those teams, that team was bad. And it was a huge deal that the flyers were missing the playoffs and they were out of it. And because <laughs> they, they just were good. You're, you're, you're right. Like it's, and I always think about teams like that. I'm like, how, how do you do that? How do you sustain yeah. that? Because it's such a foreign thing for Islander fans. Like when you're bad, you're bad. When the Islanders mm. are bad, they are bad. When the Flyers are bad, they're bad for a season, and then they just figure right. it out. And, and and they've never been so bad that you know their arena was in was in danger of being taken away from them. Right. You know? Like that. I say that I say that all the time to other teams. Like you don't really you don't realize how good you have it even in your bad seasons. Like you know my team is bad, and you don't know if they're going to be there next year. You know, that's the thing. Or who's going to be on it? You know, who they're going to have to trade to. I was regaling my daughter the other day. I think how we even came up on the subject about the the Ziggy Palfy scenario and and how he almost got traded to the Rangers, which would have been just completely awful. And because their their owners were so bad at the time that they wanted to shake down cable, they were in a weird position where they could shake down Cablevision for straight cash because you know the Rangers owners also owned Cablevision, who played the Islanders games and. Gary Bettman stepped in and was like, mm, no, not <laughs> happening. Try find somebody else to trade him to. Cause this, this deal is not going to happen under my watch. And that's how Ziggy kind of ended up in LA King. And uh, you know, that doesn't happen to every team. Like, you know, you're not in danger of <laughs> trading your, your best player. To, although the, the Flyers and Rangers did, uh, the Flyers and Penguins did hook up for that Mark Recchi, Rick Tockett trade right. many years ago, which was a big deal. So, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I feel like there's, there's, there's very little, um, Nobody, I don't think anybody on either team that I can think of right now has played for the other one, uh, at least this iteration. And, and the, yeah, I know. Um, well, no, Nate Thompson is on the uh, right, is on the Flyers right, 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 right now. Yeah, um, Nate Thompson's the only one. And yeah. it, but it's just funny that they, I feel like they just don't really do in, in the same way we talk about. Like, they just kind of don't exist to one another. Um, because yeah. I can think of the Alexei Zhitnik-Freddie Meyer trade. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, the legendary uh, – 
uh, Andrew McDonald, right. Mark Streit <laughs> trades. That's true. Uh, two trades. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No but nothing, nothing major though. Yeah, I was around. I, I was trying to just rack my brain for them, and, and I went. I, <laughs> of course, I went right to Zitnik and Freddie Meyer instead yeah. of going with. If this, if these games were happening at Nassau Coliseum. Do you think Andrew McDonald would be in the stands and they put him on the on the, the jumbotron and people would like dropped, Mark Strike probably would and that that would be something yeah but uh, McDonald yeah, Mark Strike needs to he needs to be more involved we we all love, mm, we all miss him definitely love Mark Strike <laughs> uh, what a what a pro just what yeah. a good guy I feel like Mark Strike too could have played any sport he just struck me right. he's probably he's probably like really good at tennis and soccer like i was just gonna say tennis i think it's because he's swiss you know but yeah uh, yeah it's yeah tennis for sure soccer yeah i would think so any any of the euro sports maybe not baseball but he probably would have been like a hell of a like a point guard type in basketball yeah. i yep. could see doing like a john stockton type <laughs> anyway uh okay before we go down the uh, mark strite rabbit hole i guess we'll we'll close it up and uh tell everybody to uh enjoy the uh enjoy the series have a good time so uh you know take time out of your august day to uh enjoy the islanders so uh make sure to read lighthouse hockey every single day for your most up-to-date islanders news and discussion you can uh listen to all of our podcasts just uh, look up lighthouse hockey and whatever big lebowski with two e's uh mike will also have some betting information there for you via the action network so uh, follow him you can follow me at culture of losing and uh yeah that's about it let's uh Let's see what the Islanders can do against another very talented opponent. Enjoy the series. Uh, whenever these games are, you can keep your eye on the schedule. And uh, we'll talk to you when we talk to you. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Time for